Well, good evening. You know, um, gambling, one of those things that seems to be more and more prevalent in our society than, than ever before, at least uh, as far as casino gambling and things like that. I think gambling's always been around. I remember as a kid, we used to have a little game with dimes and you pitched them against the wall and whoever's ever landed close to the wall got to keep all the, all the dimes and such. Uh, I don't know if that was as much gambling as a game of skill, uh, for which I had none, because I lost 10 cents every, every day that I played it. But um, gambling is something that is popular. You know, it was banned in this country for a long time, for many years, especially in the early 20th century. It became legal again the first place in Las Vegas, or in the, the state of Nevada, 1931. Uh, later on, horse tracks and dog tracks and other forms of legalized gambling were reintroduced in various places. In 1977, the first legal casinos outside of the state of Nevada were built in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And since that time, there have been thousands of casinos built in almost every state. I know uh, we drive to Oklahoma frequently, pass through little towns, and almost every little town in Oklahoma has a little bit of ground that belongs to an Indian tribe or another, and they all have a casino on it. And so they're, they're going up everywhere, not only casinos and, and racetracks, but nearly every state has a state lottery, which is basically state-instituted gambling. Uh, recently, gambling has grown even more popular with the introduction of online gambling. You don't even have to get out of your home now to, to gamble. Uh, and then, like, sports betting is taken off, especially since the NFL has partnered with uh, various sports books. And so uh, we see it everywhere around us. And so sometimes people will ask, where does the Bible condemn gambling? They'll say, you know, they'll demand a, a book, chapter, and verse that directly condemns gambling. And I will tell you now, you cannot find the word gambling anywhere in inspired scripture. And so you're not going to find that word exactly that word. You're not going to find it directly state, thou shalt not smoke marijuana either. And yet, it, like many sins, gambling uh, and using drugs is not directly named in Scripture. It is nonetheless condemned in principle in a number of ways. And so we're going to look uh, tonight at eight principles which condemn the vice of gambling. And so first of all, we need to understand that gambling is a violation of faithful stewardship. You know, the Bible teaches that what we own belongs to the Lord and has only been entrusted to us for our stewardship. And so imagine, if you would, leaving money to care for your children with a relative. You're going away on a trip and you want them to take care of your kids, so you leave some money so that they can afford to, to, to feed and take care of your child. And so you, you, they take that whole wad of money and they put it on the Powerball and they lose every bit of it. Now, the flippant person would say, well, great if he won. But the reality is that gambling empires are built upon people losing and not winning. You know, recently I was uh, out driving a little Uber to make a little extra money. I picked up a guy at one of the river boats. And always when somebody gets in the car, I just ask, how's it going? So how you doing? He says, oh, awful, terrible. I just lost $800 after being up more than $250. And 
He said, now I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. And so I asked him, yeah, have you ever heard the expression, the house always wins? And he said, oh, well, I know it now. <laughs> now, has he learned his lesson? I hope so. But, uh, you know, uh, before I became a Christian, I learned my lesson long before then on gambling and uh, lost a lot of money and decided I'd never do that again. Some people, though, and we'll get on that, become highly addicted to it. And so you think about it, though, to risk losing our father's money on games of chance, that's very poor stewardship. You know, the Bible has a number of passages that deal with it. We're going to look at a few here. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2. Uh, well, we'll go all the way to verse 1. It says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, he's talking about stewardship of the gospel. But he says, moreover, it is required in stewardship that a man be found faithful. And so whatever uh, type of stewardship we're involved in, we must be faithful in it, whether it's financial stewardship or uh, stewardship of the gospel. We've got to be faithful in that. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 42, the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. And so again, a a steward needs to make the best use of what has been given him. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so all that God has given us financially, uh, materially, uh, spiritually, uh, it is for our use, but it belongs to God. And we must use it practicing faithful stewardship. Uh, next, uh, gambling ignores the law of love. You know, gambling seeks to enrich self while ignoring the welfare of your neighbor. You know, gambling is always a zero-sum game. There is always a winner and always a loser. Uh, In fact, gambling is stealing by deception. Because the loser, even when he grants permission, never anticipates losing. And so, you know, love for other people means acting in their best interest, even when they do not. And so you think about the, the law of love, we should treat others the way... Uh, God treats us. Uh, Treat them in such a way that that seeks their best interest to gamble and try to take their money is certainly uh, not in their best interest. And you think about uh, uh, state-sanctioned gambling such as lotteries. You know, I read an article on Box.com. talks about how state lotteries prey upon the poor. And it gave four things here. Most lottery tickets are bought in poor neighborhoods. And this was based upon you know, some, uh, some uh, data research that they had done on uh, sales of lottery tickets and where they were found and what locations and so forth. So most were bought in poor neighborhoods. Most lottery tickets are bought in places with more uh, people who are minorities. Uh, Powerball also isn't the main problem. You know, the big game, the, the big multi-million dollar game, it's the, it's the little ones. It's the little scratchers where someone hopes to win $100 or or $500. 
And so uh, that's really what takes the most money from people. And then, uh, you know, there are some people that, uh, it, who are in financial trouble. And they think the only way to get out of it is to, to uh, spend money on the lottery. In short, the lottery preys upon of vulnerable people. And so uh, notice uh, some of the principles of love that must be ignored in order to participate in gambling. Of course, Matthew, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 39. After saying the first and great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. He said the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Or as Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 7 verse 12. Whatsoever you would that men should do unto you. Do ye even so unto them. Do you want men to take your money? Then don't try to take others money. Romans chapter 13 and verse 10 says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 24, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. And so we're not, he said, we're not to seek another's wealth. We're to seek another we're to seek our own wealth but, and, and another's benefit. We're not trying to take their wealth. <laughs> I tried to make a play on words there. It didn't work. All right. Uh, number next, gambling is dishonest. You know, it violates the principle of doing honest work for one's bread. It places your prosperity in the hands of lady luck rather than a fair exchange of value for value. You know, uh, I've got some news for you. If you're a gambler and you're depending upon Lady Luck, she owes you absolutely nothing. Uh, she's not much of a lady, in fact. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. And then Ephesians 4 and verse 28 it says, uh, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. And so it, gambling is dishonest. It's a dishonest, it's an attempt for dishonest gain. Uh, next, uh, gambling enslaves through addiction. It is highly addictive. Uh, according to the National Gambling Impact Study Commission, about 15 to 20 million adults and adolescents have either problem or pathological gambling addictions, which is about 5 to 7% of the U.S. population. And they describe it this way. If you take 15 million people and place them in average size NFL football stadiums that hold 70,000 people, you could fill approximately 214 stadiums to capacity with problem and pathological gamblers in the United States alone. And then uh, I have a quote here from a Washington Post article. Uh, the National Gambling Impact Study Commission found that having a casino within 50 miles doubles one's likelihood to become a uh, problem gambler. And so uh, it enslaves through addiction. You know, there are some principles in the New Testaments 
that require Christians to exhibit self-control and not addictive behaviors. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12, he says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And so uh, anything that brings us under its power and, and its power to influence us away from God is something that we need to avoid uh, like the plague. Get as far from it as we can. Uh, Galatians 5 and verse 23 says, talks about uh, you know, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, temperance. We're to be tempered in all things. We're to exercise self-control. And uh, in gambling, when one becomes addicted to gambling, they lose that self-control. It's like that fellow I picked up at the, uh, the riverboat the other day. You know, if he'd have left when he was up $250, he would have been all right. But no, he continued to go. He got that rush from winning that money. And so he wants to win more. And so he quits putting more out and more out, and eventually he loses a lot of money. And so that's what happens. Uh, and so uh, it is an enslavement through addiction. Also, uh, gambling sets an evil example. You know, how many parents who truly love their children would want them to experience the negative consequences of a gambling addiction? You know, your influence on others either makes this world a better place, or it leads your friends and your neighbors and maybe your family further away from Christ. So ask yourself the, the question, which of the following biblical principles of example and Christian influence does gambling violate? Uh, such as the principle found in Romans 12 and verse 17, where we're told to recompense no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of men. Again, gambling is dishonest, inherently dishonest. Uh, provide things honest in the sight of men. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, it says there, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You know, a disciple is one who follows his master. As Christians, we are disciples of Christ. We follow in the footsteps of Christ. Can you imagine Christ gambling? Can you imagine him wagering money? I certainly can't. He would have violated uh, his own word in doing so. Uh, notice also 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14. He says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary, to speak reproachfully. You know, the world even, worldly people even recognize gambling to be a vice. They know it's wrong deep down in their hearts. They know they shouldn't be doing it. They do it anyway. They, they like the rush that comes from it. Uh, when they see a Christian uh, gambling, wagering, uh, getting involved in casino gambling, whatever, whatever it is, whatever form that gambling takes, it gives them an occasion to speak reproachfully. Second uh, Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Again, the example of a Christian 
gambling brings a negative light upon the church and upon the truth and causes it to be evil spoken of. Uh, Number six, gambling is often a gateway to crime. You know, gambling is the frequent companion with other vices, stealing, drugs, prostitution. There is a a study in 2006, a study uh, called uh, Casinos, Crime, and Community Costs, published in 2006 in the Review of Economics and Statistics by economists Earl Grinnells and David Mustard. They examined crime rates in every county in the nation covering a period of 20 years from 1977, just before the first casinos outside of Nevada were built in Atlantic City, to 1996. It concluded that opening a casino led to local crime increases averaging 8%. And it was interesting in their statistics, they brought out that the crime rate really doesn't start going up until about five or six years later. When it's first built, the the crime rate, it seems to have no major impact for the first few years. But as uh, it tends to gradually grow, and by the time five to seven years has gone by, the the crime rate has gone up considerably. And so, you know, frequently those chasing the elusive pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, they result to theft and other crimes to fund their gambling. You know, you think about uh, how many... uh, Movies you've seen, how many uh, mafia movies, somebody's in debt and they do all kinds of crazy stuff, pull off all kinds of crazy heists or attempt to, to pay off their gambling debts. Uh, Romans 13 and verse 9 says, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comparated in, the saying, in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, one who is addicted to, to drugs or alcohol uh, or gambling, the things that end up costing a lot of money, they will resort to almost anything to get their next fix. And so there is definitely a connection between the crime rates and the uh, casino and gambling. And so gambling is a gateway to crime. Uh, gambling destroys family, families. It's a destroyer of numerous homes. Uh, according to the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy, AAMFT, uh, it says uh, in one of their studies that more than a family's financial health is at stake when gambling problems enter the picture. The disclosure or discovery of the extent of losses is often sudden and devastating. This in turn takes a toll on the emotional and physical health of both the gambler and the spouse. In desperation, some problem gamblers result to crimes such as forgery, fraud, theft, and embezzlements. Adolescent children of those with gambling problems are at increased risk of depressive feelings, conduct problems, and gambling problems. Depression, anxiety, and substance abuse are often associated with serious gambling issues. And so things like that in the home, they wreck and they destroy homes. It is uh, one of the worst stories I think I've ever heard 
uh, well, from someone who has a personal story, my own mom was uh, in Las Vegas at a big resort hotel with a casino in it for some kind of convention with insurance a long time ago, back in the 90s. And in order to get to a room, of course, to get to the elevator, you had to walk past all these slot machines. And uh, she said that first, she's walking in there carrying her luggage, you know, lugging it all over there. To the, and she walks by and she sees this little child wearing one of those little harnesses, like some people put on their kids when they run wild. And uh, it's got a leash on it. And it was tied to a slot machine while she was one slot machine over uh, playing. And the child was screaming its head off. She went up to her room. She rested for a while, changed clothes, took a shower, did all that, and came back down to meet with some folks to go to dinner. And the same child was tied to the same slot machine, still screaming its little head off. And so you think about the impression that makes upon a young child. What that does to a family. That they're willing to, to, to do that to their child so that they can feed one quarter at a time into a slot machine for hours on end. You think about gambling. You know, really ultimately what it does, because you're always going to lose, the house always wins. Gambling takes food, it takes clothing, it takes medical care away from families. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 8 says, If any would provide not for his own, especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. And so in gambling, you're either losing money or you're taking it from someone else. And thus depriving either your family or their family of something that they need, things they need. And so uh, gambling, finally, uh, we need to understand it is destructive to the soul. It is the enemy of mental peace. It brings fear and anxiety. It creates obsession with money and consumes the gambler. Notice uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. You know, uh, if we look back up to verse 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coated after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You think about those that would be rich, that seek riches above all else. They don't seem to care how they get it. They might steal it. They might try to gamble for it. Uh, but it's notice that those that desire this wealth, they fall into temptation, they fall into a snare, uh, that uh, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You think about all the evils that stem from the love of money, from greed. Almost any kind of evil that you might imagine can stem out of greed. And so the gambler uh, brings a lot of things upon themselves. The suicide rate among gamblers is, is very high. And so we need to avoid gambling. We need to stay away from this uh, sinful activity. And so does the Bible condemn gambling 
Yes, it does. We won't find the word gambling. You won't find the word wager or bet or uh, anything about horse racing or sports betting and things like that, at least the gambling of it, making money off of it. Uh, but in principle, you'll see from these eight principles and, and others that the Bible does, in fact, condemn gambling. Gambling will destroy our soul, just like any sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. Today, if you're here uh, as one who is in sin, one who has uh, either not become a Christian, you know, the moment you committed sin, you, be, you fell under the, the guilt and you fell subject to the wages of sin uh, and death. The good news is that Jesus died for you so that you can have the opportunity to go and be with Him in heaven. If you believe this, you believe in God, you believe in the sacrifice of Jesus, then you need to repent of your sins, confess your belief, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Uh, maybe you're here tonight as one who is a Christian but hasn't been faithful as, you, as a Christian. We urge you also to repent to come back to Him. Uh, the second law of pardon is simply that you pray to God uh, for forgiveness, you repent of your sins, and you confess those sins to God. Tonight, if you're here and subject to the invitation, please let us know as together we stand and as we sing.